the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. When it comes to your investments and retirement, in this economy, it's important to be smart. And with the Smart Investor Hour heard right here on AM 1420 The Answer, you'll get both smart and intelligent information you'll need to help with your investing. So sit back, listen, and learn with your host of the Smart Investor Hour, Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. Good afternoon, everybody. Uh, chilly day out there, so let's start thinking positively. Let's talk about some of the great leaders of our time and of other times. Face reality as it is, not as it was, or as you wish it would be. Jack Welch, who was a pretty darn good leader. And then Margaret Thatcher in her famous speech, uh, her election speech, oh, well, I should say pre-election speech. Any woman who understands the problem of running a home will be nearer to understanding the problems of running a country than someone else. The nation will find it hard to look up to leaders who are keeping their ears to the ground. And that's Sir Winston Churchill and Aristotle, one of my favorites. He who has never learned to obey cannot be a good commander. And with Easter right around the corner, from the garden, Jesus said, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. Here we go. And uh, this is a Smart Investor Show, so if you uh, want to get any of the stuff that we talk about on the show, if you want to uh, have a cup of coffee, want to talk about your portfolio, just go to WHK's webpage. It makes it really easy. You go down to, you know, uh, you go to local podcast, down to the Smart Investor Show. Uh, you can go over. Uh, while you're there, you can uh, – there's all sorts of contact me, email me. Don't forget a couple things. Go to the Insight page. On the Insight page, there's all sorts of really good, uh, new, fresh, you know, so fresh it'll slap you type of thing, uh, research, all right? And uh, under Bulletin Board, Rob Schleimer's stuff is there. Every, every week he puts out uh, what he calls the roadmap, which I think is really good stuff. We also have a weekly newsletter there. Uh, don't forget, you know, we have a lot of good stuff uh, that the – Best Idea List, which has been done very, very well uh, and held up very, very well. The D Dividend Growth Portfolio, the Prime Income List, I think that's going to be very important this year. We also have, uh, you know, I'm not talking about the Savvy, Invest uh, Savvy Investors Credit Workbook because interest rates are up, have doubled in, in, a, in a week. But the U.S. electrical grid, you know, the Democrats are, the crazy Democrats are still pushing. I think oil is going to 150, 160 and staying there because they've held back the, you know, it's all about oil, you know, it's, and, and they're holding back the production of it. And it's, it's, it's nuts, but, uh, I, they'll probably pay at the, the polls. But the, the key is, is that, uh, the electrical grid is going to be very, very important if they continue to push this thing, uh, this, this, uh, we'll call it mandate. Uh, and we also have our, our – and this goes all the way back to June 10th of last year. It's all, it was our RBC Capital Market Global Energy Power Infrastructure. So, uh, look, some things happened this week, which I think are very important. 
Lori Calbacina, who has been our head strategist, who last year in February said to buy oil stocks. And I got to admit, you know, only about half that actually the clients have been around the longest with me. Uh, you know, the guys have been with me for 15, 20, 20, 30 years. Uh, bought it. Didn't doubt my, my call at all. And, uh, it turned out to be a very good one. Um, but they're saying, uh, the energy people are saying, whoa, for a while. Uh, you know, with, with the, they're taking a lot of, of, uh, oil coming out of the reserve. And, you know, my point is, is what happens when they get back in? Because they're, they're taking more than ever been taken out, uh, ever. And once you have to put it back in, you still have to get oil. All right. So it does, whatever they're doing doesn't make sense to me, but we'll see what happens. But, you know, um, by the way, that's a political statement on Tim Hayes' part, not on RBC's part. <laughs> I got to say that for the lawyers, but. Healthcare and utilities generally rank well relative to other sectors. And that's the first time we've heard about that. Remember, we said healthcare has been dead last. It still is, by the way, but it's starting to get relative strength, and that's important. Uh, remember, energy, basic materials, and healthcare were dead last a year ago. Matter of fact, healthcare has been dead last for about four years now. And now energy is number one, basic materials are number two. Utilities were just ahead of those, by the way. Utilities jumped above technology this week so uh so healthcare and utilities generally have been ranking really well and, and by the way REITs broke out this week uh, if you don't know what a REIT is you should um so what uh, Lori Calvacina does is each quarter she asks the analysts uh what are the number of issues that are you know problematic in their situation and they talked about performance valuation fundamentals margins supply chain which is new pricing power and demand and, uh, you know, she talked about one of the interesting things is maybe it's now time to get back into technology. Uh, and, you know, one of the things that, look, if we step back from all this, uh, one of the big problems we're going to have going forward is inflation. And if you're a retiree, that is your biggest problem because you're on a fixed dollar amount, okay, whether it be Social Security or what, you, you know, the 3 to 4% that you're getting from your 401k, you know, whatever it may be, you're on a fixed amount. And when your dollars get eaten alive by 8% inflation, we've got a problem on our hands, okay? So, you know, gasoline's gone crazy, all right? We've had record, record gasoline uh, prices, fuel consumption patterns, and, uh, you know, maybe we have a demand destruction uh, all sit at the tip of the economic spear, shall we say. So uh, our in-house data science team uh, looked at this, and what we, we saw was these uh, nearly 135 individual retail gas stations across the country. And, we, and, you know, we looked at them, and we superimposed median in household income on each of those individual gas stations to – to look at the location of the gas station and the corresponding income bracket. And uh, in doing so, uh, refueling habits differ across various income brackets, all right? So what I'm saying is high gasoline prices have led to demand destruction. People aren't driving. And that's not good for the economy. And uh, the economy, you know, retail prices have suppressed $4 a gallon 
on two occasions. That was in 2008, right before uh, a very bad time. And then, uh, uh, you know, we had a a 12-month period back at, uh, I was way, you know, a while ago uh, also uh, in 2000, but it happened twice in 2008. So the $4 price shock shock added to the financial crisis, which was not what we want to see. And look, I, I don't, you know, they're not letting people drill on our land. So, uh, you know, that, that's a problem, too. So, you know, they're doing a lot of things that uh, I don't agree with, obviously. And, um, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting. But the Fed seems set to hike rates by 50 basis points at the next two meetings. Uh, what will happen after that in our travels and stuff like that, um, the consensus is two fifty basis point hikes. Now, the last time I saw that, you know, where we did, we did 50, 50, 50. Now we've done 25, 50 and 50 was in 1987, right before a very bad time. All right. So now there was a difference. There was a lot of leverage used in 1987. Leverage is very low right now. Uh, it's not even close to where it was. So uh, I don't know if, if the, you know, the official scenario is the, the real problem with markets is, they bought them before you see the good news, okay? So when everybody else is, you remember, the stock market thinks six to nine months ahead of time. So when we're down, we can't see the good news yet, okay? So we don't know if it's at the bottom, and that's what makes it, you know, uh, equally scary, all right? So, but anyway, uh, looking for rate hikes at every meeting seems as easy call when the official is a hawk. Uh, and if Powell is taken to be, a, you know, at his word, uh, and it's all about inflation. Uh, we see little in the headline inflation data over the next coming months that could put uh, could get them to back off. So that could be a big problem, and and uh, maybe going forward. Now, a couple things. Um, everybody's talking about the yield curve being inverted. By the way, this is a live show, so if you have a question, you can call in two one six nine zero one zero nine four five. That's two one six nine zero one zero nine four five. And uh, we've had a couple inversions. You know, um, and and people have all panicked and whatever. But um, the last time the yield yield curve inverted, uh, curve inverted, inverted in 2019 and then 2020, we had the the COVID recession. It inverted in 2006, 2007, and then again in 2008, we had the great financial uh, crisis, and then inverted in 2000, where we had the dot com bubble, right? which is not good. So every time the yield curve uh, inverted, nobody expected a recession. Is it time to panic? I think there's three reasons why stocks are still thinking about a bottom, okay? Real interest rate curve is still normally sloped, okay? In 2006 and 2019, when the nominal curve inverted, uh, the real curve also deeply inverted. So that's a big problem. Inflation curves are deep in backwardation, and that's where the spot price is far higher than the future inflation. Um, And the real cost of money is still negative. So those things, you know, if you look, look, the nominal yield equals the real cost of money plus the future inflation rate. So in 2022, this is impacting yield curves across the the thing. So what we have is a backwardation in the yield curve. It's kind of... It's kind of tough to to talk about, but look at 2000, 2006, and uh, 2006, 7, and 8, financial conditions were terrible. 2020, they were pretty bad. We're not there yet. 
we're not even close. I mean, if you look at them, we, we don't have that problem. The other thing I noticed, and we talked about this last week, the case freight index, which our friend Tom Lee from Fundstrat talked about, usually uh, is, is advanced six months, and it leads the CPI or the consumer price index. It dropped off the map this last couple months. So um, we've got to watch that. It rolled down hard. So that may be that we're leaning in the inflation indicator down too. And I think you got to think about stuff like this. You know, you got to, you know, you're playing chess here. Okay. <laughs> and you got to think a couple moves. Ahead. And one of the things, uh, the other thing we looked at is the number of S and P members down 20% from the 52 week highs. And it's 41%. Now we've had a couple times where it's been higher than that, but usually uh, you're getting close to a bottom at that point. So, uh, Usually, if you get to the 40% crossover rate, it signals a long-term buy. And that's why I'm saying you can't see the bottom yet, okay, because we don't know what the, the information is going forward. So when the stock market starts to bottom, uh, you'll, you'll not know about it <laughs> until later, okay? So uh, when you have... 40% or more of the S&P 500 members down 20% from their high, nine of nine times, ex-recession now, it's been a very strong signal to buy. So that's why we're saying, you know, we're not sure if the bottom's here or not, okay? So it, it's kind of a, um, a very uh, tough scenario to look at and say, hey, you know, we're, we're, uh, we're absolutely sure that, you know, the, the, we, we've got to get the yield, real yield curve inverted, not just the nominal. And, and then we go from there, okay? So, uh, look, we just came off the worst quarter since 2020, and unemployment rate goes down to 3.6%. That doesn't make sense to me, but, uh, you know, and the other thing is the number of people coming back. You know, the great, uh, uh, well, let's put it this way, a, a number of people, the very draw, strong jobs report came in on Friday, Unemployment was down, and also what I thought was important was the number of people coming back, okay? And that's uh, interesting. So, uh, look, you know, we've gone kind of sideways. I told you last week we were fairly overbought in the short term. I think that's going to continue for a while, all right? Uh, so I think Tom Lee put it pretty well, and Lori Calzavina kind of hinted at this. These guys, I don't know, they don't know each other, I don't think, but they work. I mean, when you listen to both of them, you're usually not wrong. They're talking, you know, Tom Lee talked about the markets are whispering bottom. And the problem is, like I said, you've got to wait that time until the markets turn up, and then you don't you know if it's the bottom or not. But, you know, uh, Lori and Tom both talked about the U.S. is the best house in a bad neighborhood. And, you know, that's, that's the case. Uh, so, look, um, when the S&P 500 has fallen 6% below its 200-day move average and then closed above its 200-day moving average, it's happened 31 times since World War II, and it's been a bullish signal. So we'll keep our fingers crossed, uh, you know, for now anyway. Uh, I think we're going to go back and test that 200-day moving average just to make sure I can't sleep at night. That's, that's the way things go. <laughs> uh, anyway, like I said, we got to look at, you know, the nominal yield is the real cost of money plus the future inflation rate. And, you know, this is, you know, with all what's going on with the Fed and everything else, this is impacting yield across the term structure. Now, what I think you don't understand is that the real nominal rate 
is still a nice curve, okay? It's not, it's not a uh, flat curve at all. Now, I would suggest, and if you don't know about this, you know, and if you're not doing this, you should be, you might want to start to rebalance your portfolio. Now, I've been adding uh, value stocks for about a year and a half now. Um, and I, I did have some oil stocks going into the into 2020, so I was I was a little early in those. But they've they've come except for one. They've all come back and and made money, so that's good. But I think uh, you know if you rebalance your portfolio, you'll take some of the volatility out of it and smooth the investment uh, experience for yourself. And, you know, I've been doing that for years for my clients. I, I'm a I'm usually a little bit of ahead. Uh, the problem is I think. You know, what they're doing, if the yield curve does invert, the real yield curve inverts too, I don't think it's going to, but it may, um, you know, you're going to be looking at the possibility of, uh, you know, of a, a, a slowdown in the economy. And if that occurs, you know, it's better to re, re, uh, rebalance at this point. Like we said, healthcare is starting to shape up a little bit. Utilities broke out last week. Real estate investment trusts broke out. Those are defensive uh, generally. And so, it might be a time to rebalance. Now, the Russian-Ukraine conflict and so some of the related uh, sanctions have added some more stress on the global economy. And it not only intensifies the inflation, but it's intensified supply chain threats. So it'll be interesting to see how exactly this works with the inflation scenario and how the Fed works. And uh, um, the Fed was too easy. Are they going to be too tight? We'll find out. Uh, we'll be right back. Like I said, if you have a question, it's 216-901-0945. That's 216-901-0945. We'll be right back. If you just tuned in, this is the Smart Investor Show. And, uh, you know, it's funny. I uh, I had a conversation with a very nice couple this week, a uh, young couple. And uh, they called in for the Money Matters for Young Professionals, which uh, uh, one's a lawyer and one's a doctor. And uh, it was interesting. Um, all they talked about was technology. Technology, technology, technology. <laughs> you know, right now, utilities have jumped way ahead of technology. Technology technology's almost in seventh place now. I think they hit you know, they're they're tied for seventh in the in what we look as relative strength investing. Relative strength investing is just simply you want to be in the best stock in the best group. Okay? So technology's fading. Now it may turn. Lori Calvacina thinks it's gone to but right now utilities are leading the the show. Isn't that interesting? All right? And and everybody, uh, you know, talks about, uh, you know, where we should go from here and, you know, whatever, and technology, technology, technology. So and that's interesting. The other thing, which is, I think is a problem for, for young people, is the 30-year mortgage interest rate was at 3.1 at the beginning of, of this year, literally. It is now at 4.67. That's a big move up. You know what, your monthly, that probably added 
25, 30% to your monthly payment. And I feel bad for all you guys out there that are trying to, uh, you know, buy a house now because uh, maybe it's time to back off a little bit. Now, the other thing I'm seeing, and this worries me a little bit because of this talk about inversion. Like I said, the real, the real curves, real yield curves are not inverting. It's a nice, gentle slope up. But um, if you look at some of the, the financials, uh, it worries me a little bit because they broke, broke down. Now, it also looks like they could be, you know, they're at a spot where they need to turn. You know, they, they could break out. You know, uh, I'm looking at the PPO on some of these. And if you don't know what PPO is, you, you should. Uh, they're, you know, they're right at their downtrend line. And if they break out, it could, you know, things could change. Uh, but, you know, um, I know Lori Calvacina thinks very highly of them, so uh, that's that's interesting too. But uh, most of them look, um, you know, I'm watching them closely. Let's put it that way. And I, I know a lot of people are uh, concerned with them. Um, look, uh, I don't, you know, I can't say this enough, but I just remember the Persian War and the market bottomed. Uh, I believe it was in October. And we didn't really see the good news for another, I think it was April of 1991 when uh, the market started to rally. Uh, maybe it was, uh, yeah, it was April, uh, March or April, I can't remember. So, you, you know, if everything, if the world is going to end, now I, I did notice that, you know, the bullish, the American Association of Individual Investors, the bullishness moved up quite a bit. Uh, which usually means that, you know, short term, and I said short term, we were over, uh, overbought and, and the momentum was starting to turn down. So, um, I tell you, I, I was looking and, and I, this guy asked me every week, uh, about Bitcoin and I don't know anything about Bitcoin. Well, I know a lot about it actually. I just, I'm, I'm not, I don't have any fundamental conversation on it. Uh, but I would suggest that, you know, uh, Outside of Bitcoin, the biotech index, the large and medium biotech indexes, which I've seen, the ETFs, look like they're getting ready to get up and go. All right. So I, I'm not sure if, you know, uh, everybody agrees with me on that, but um, th there's a lot of stocks that are down um, in the biotech industry. I mean, they've, they've got hundreds, literally three, four, five hundred stocks that were above 10 that are below two. And they've got a lot of stocks that have really good, I mean, really positive news that, you know, are up, uh, didn't go up. So, um, look, I think this is a good time if you've got a stock that's down. Uh, I had a conversation with a client a couple of weeks ago about Lululemon, and I it was 450, and I said, hey, you know, you should be careful here. It's making a lower high. And uh, then it got down to 280, and um, it didn't really, you know, it had a couple bottoms right there at 280 and 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 uh i think the key is 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 you know where do you enter at that point do you wait to bounce this a little bit and i think you you do you know uh i i saw several stocks that bounced um and hit you know and broke out and and that was probably a good time to buy it it's it, it you know sometimes it's hard to buy things when they're down let's just put it that way okay so we'll just leave it at that um so uh, Rob Schleimer, uh, who's our head technician, uh, very smart guy, um, 
you know, he keeps talking about the weekly momentum still being negative. Um, but the daily momentum is very overbought. So he thinks we're going to have a pullback. And, um, you know, one of the problems with bottoms is the pullbacks are scary. Okay. Cause you've just gone through a period of time where you don't know what to do. So uh, the daily momentum, uh, and what it does is tracks two to four week moves is, is overbought and it's heading south. Okay. And so, uh, you, you know, the second quarter may be a problem. Um, now, what we also saw is the technology and REIT sectors versus the S&P 500. Energy is showing, showing some, you know, stalling short term. And I think, by the way, energy will be, you know, we'll come back into it eventually. Uh, I don't think you have to sell everything. Uh, you know, I, I said that I thought energy would peak the day of the war. I was a couple of days late. Apologize about that. <laughs> but, um, Technologies begin to rebound a little bit. So Lori's right so far. And a real estate investment trust, that's, you know, where you get a bunch of real estate properties and you get the income. They got to pay you 80% of their income um, are beginning to improve. So um, we're seeing some dramatic moves in, in the first quarter, obviously. Uh, so you want to maintain a well-balanced portfolio. And I think you need some cyclical inflation groups some growth in technology, along with some yield-generating stocks. So you need our best idea list, our dividend growth portfolio, and our prime income list. Now, what's interesting is the 10-year yield, okay? So the yield on the 10-year treasury is coming close to the downtrend that started in 1981. That, folks, is a 40-year bull market. Uh, and if we were to break through there, Life would change a little bit, I think. So it, now it, it's stalling right here. So we'll see what happens. Um, and, you know, we'll, we'll go from there. But I think it's it's something that you have to pay particular attention to. Now, look, um, you know, we talked about a couple things uh, recently. And I I, I think that uh, the real estate investment trusts are, are, and by the way, there's several of them that are in our prime income list. And what I like are some of the real estate investment trusts that invest in server farms. So you get technology and real estate investment trusts at the same time. Um, so you, you get 80% of the income. Server farms, uh, look, Microsoft, Intel, all those guys, they build these server farms because they need them. Uh, I, I think uh, I, I read an article where Microsoft buys more servers than the whole bottom hundred companies of the S&P 500 every month, okay, uh, than the bottom hundred doing a year. So these server farms are becoming important, and they're a great REIT. Uh, I have uh, a couple of favorites, and I won't go into them right now. Uh, but that group looks really, really good. And, and look, I, WTI, I, you know, I said it would probably peak. It has. Uh, the Biden administration is, you know, putting a lot out. Uh, I mean, they're going to – our strategic reserves are not going to be strategic anymore. And it would be interesting to see see what happens with oil once he has to uh, uh, build those back up. Hey, stay tuned. We'll be right back. Once again, the number here is 216-901-0945. That's 216-901-0945. We'll be right back.
Okay, we're back. Hey, uh, we had Rich Matthews on uh, two weeks ago. And, you know, Rich is our kind of our guru when it comes to our wealth plans. And uh, he just uh, emailed me on Friday and said that we are going to work on, if you're a prospective client and you'd like to see how our wealth plan works, we can do that for you now. All right. Uh, so what you have to do is got to go to WHK1420, go to local podcast down to the Smart Investor Show. And there's all sorts of contact me, email me's. Uh, you know, we have to have a conversation, but, uh, uh, you know, we can put together a wealth plan for you and you can see how it works. Now, it's not going to be the total wealth plan like uh, my clients have, but uh, it gives you an idea. It lets you play around a little bit, see if you're going to make it uh, in the retirement field. All right. So that's uh, that's interesting. And we just had uh, MP Manning <laughs> email me and said, Tim, what about Palladium? Palladium's interesting. Um, you know, it, it, it broke out and is pulled back right to where it, it should stop. And, you know, so, I mean, the problem with, with um, any kind of, uh, you know, when you're dealing with commodities, it's all about technical. The fundamentals are out the window. So when they break down, you know, that that's what tech, People that, that trade commodities, what they do is they probe. So, you know, when they think they're at a bottom and they think there's going to be a breakout, they buy a contract or two. And then if it breaks out, they buy a couple more and they buy a couple more and they buy a couple more as it goes up. First sign of a problem, they're out. Okay. That's how you get rich uh, doing commodities. So, palladium, you know, for those who, who do that type of thing, uh, by the way, you can buy those with ETFs now, so it's it's kind of interesting, right? Um, you know, we always talk about the bullish percent, and uh, my system's down, so I'm, I'm just going to have to give you what I uh, I see as of now. Um, the bullish percent was designed by a protege of Charles Dow, and what he wanted to do is be bullish at the bottom and bearish at the top. And remember, we got down to 35. We were at 81 at this time last year. And uh, we bounced around, and a lot of stocks underneath the surface got killed. Uh, believe me, I, I, I can tell you I, I've seen a lot of really high-quality names, too, by the way, get killed. Uh, anything was a new issue got killed. And they all, you know, like I said, uh, I said back in February, I think that's where the great ideas are going to come from in the next bull run, okay? We probably have to get through the Fed, you know, rate hikes and all that stuff. But uh, So this is an indicator that goes from zero to 100. And we have a column of X's, which means we have the offensive team on the field, which is where we are right now, and a column of O's, which means there's distribution. Distribution happens a lot faster, folks. So uh, we have some other things like where are our domestic equity compared to everything else? Domestic equities right now are kind of flat with cash, all right? So it's, you know, maybe 50% domestic equities, 50% cash. Some people talk about I don't know. Uh, when you have good long-term stuff, maybe not. I don't know. But uh, uh, the, the bullish percent uh, was down. Uh, it's currently down. It's at 57, which is a pretty good, you know, I mean, we're in the 50% range, so it's a pretty good thing. Uh, for the week, uh, it was up a couple, and it's it's now in bull confirmed status, which is one of the best things you can have. Now, it would be better if domestic equities were the number one asset class. And what I also like is the over-the-counter index, which is in small caps, 
which is at 40, which is a really, really good place to buy stuff. Remember, it was at 24, 25 just a couple weeks ago. Uh, is in full confirmed too. And so is in the World Index, which is at 45. So that's another good place to go uh, bull confirmed. Remember, uh, foreign stocks have outpaced the U.S. stocks in the first quarter. Okay, so maybe it's time to take a look. You know, we talked about that a couple weeks ago. And the optionable uh, uh, bullish percent is also in bull confirmed status. So there we go. Now, uh, look, I'll, I'll be honest with you. The S&P 500 and the QQQ rally exceeded my near-term targets. It's okay with me. That's all right. Uh, the war trade is still early to call an end to. Uh, and, you know, the commodity pullback, I think, creates a buying opportunity. I just think it's going to last longer than people anticipate. I don't think it's going to be deep. I just think it's going to last longer than people anticipate. And technology has shown some really good strength. And, by the way, the place I'm seeing that strength is those stocks that were the new issues – over the last the th- last three years, went up really high, came down and got killed, okay? So I'm starting to see some strength there, which is interesting. Uh, you know, we are looking the the broader base indices like the value line and the geometric average uh, has have had good technical progress, okay? So uh, suggesting that, you know, they could go and I think you'll see b- better progress there. Now, the technology scenario, we – we broke down below support and we broke above it, and and that's important. Uh, but it's still got a downtrend line staring us right in the eye. The downtrend line, what we do is we we draw a line on the lower highs, and that's a psychological barrier. So we have to get through that in order for technology to get better. Uh, and I, I know that couple I talked about earlier uh, are, are listening. Okay, so uh, you know technology is not a solid citizen yet. Okay. Um, and and I, I feel technically encouraging to see uh, the U.S. indices rally back as much as they have. I just think you still have to be defensive by and large, and that has worked. Okay, so the REITs, uh, the you know the consumer uh, company, the consumer staple companies, the utilities, healthcare, they've all looked, uh, they've all increased in their relative strength. Now they're expensive, so it, it's hard to tell you to go out and buy them right now. Although I do think the REITs are fairly cheap. Now, somebody asked me about the FANG index. Uh, oh, that, uh, that was Shelly. I don't know if Shelly's a he or she. Uh, but the relative strength on the FANG index is broken down. Okay, so, um, you know, you, you just got to remember that type of stuff. Uh, but, you know, with utilities pushing to new highs, the transports were doing great until Friday and they got whacked. Uh, and... and you know, so if we can get the utility, I mean, we get the transports moving up, uh, which usually happens latter, you know, in, in the, you know, like uh, Tom Lee talked about the whispering bottom. <laughs> all right. Uh, transports usually bottom later on in the wisp, the, the bottom, I mean, in the bottomy process. And when they turn, they turn up very quickly. Um, so, you know, right now, energy and metals uh, have been acting pretty well, although, you know, Friday they got beat up a little bit. So, I just think, you know, it's better to be a little bit defensive right at the moment. And, you know, look, there's several things you got to talk about, okay? There's rules in the stock market. First of all, you don't fight the Fed, all right? That's a problem right now because the Fed, you know, Powell said he's a hawk in so many words. The second rule is you don't fight the bullish percent. The bullish percent is totally objective. 
It doesn't care what you think. All right? Right now, it's in bull confirmed status, which is crazy, isn't it? You know, you think you got a war there, you got oil going crazy, you got, uh, you know, we're not sure what's going on in Washington, we got interest rates going higher, yet the market's going up. And just so you know, the most bullish thing that can happen is the price of your stock to go up. Simple as that, okay? So I, I, I don't see any trend change yet. Um, you know, so I, 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 that bottom that we're talking about is whispering. It's, it, it's not in full formation yet. So I think you got to, you know, be careful, have some cash on hand, you know, that type of thing. Um, you know, Apple bounced right, right back to the old high. Now, is it going to stay there? Who knows? I don't know. If it breaks out, it'd be very interesting. So, you know, we'll see. Now, one of the things that we look at, we talked about this just a month ago. We said the put to call ratio was decidedly bullish, meaning a lot more puts were being bought than uh, calls. Now, now we're at the opposite end. A lot more calls being bought than puts. And so, uh, you know, I would just say that is a, a negative uh, short term. And um, look, I, I, I think that the, you got to start to take a look at uh, the healthcare group. It's down so far that, uh, I, I mean, I, I saw several groups within the healthcare group that look interesting, and I'll just leave it at that. Uh, you know, the drug suppliers, the wholesale drug suppliers look pretty good. Uh, some of the pharmaceuticals look pretty good. You know, I had a couple major companies break out to new highs. Um, you know, so it's 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 interesting. Now, we had some output hikes in oil, you know, and everybody's saying, well, you know, you. I talked to two people this week, gave me kind of a hard time. I said, hold it. I recommended oil last year this time. Okay? Last year this time. It was the number one asset class for a year. So, the fact, you know, that you're, if you're coming in late, you know, uh, I can't help you there. So, uh, but, you know, it has worked in, and even some of the stuff that I bought before that, because I didn't think of, you know, I didn't know there was a, there was going to be a glut of oil for a while there. And then, then putting it within a year and a half, we've gone from a glut of oil, and by bad policy, we are now watching the price of oil double, triple. You know, it just doesn't make sense. Um, but if, if, if we do go into recession, financials might underperform. I think the regional banks and the insurance will likely bear fruit in, in the weeks to come. So, I, you know, you got to be looking at those, too. I think that's a very interesting place to be, uh, in my humble opinion. So what I think is going to happen is basically the commodities will probably regress on their uh, moving average conversions to versions. And, you know, they'll regress back to the mean and then they'll pop again. Uh, so, I don't think the I don't think the oil strategy is over yet. You know that type of thing. Um, I, I think you have to be, you know, just thinking about uh, uh, where we are. And this, you know, remember we talk about this four year cycle all the time, and this is the year where the four year cycle. You know, we had the bottom, okay, in 2020. Then we had a huge rally, and now we're we're going to go sideways for a while. Uh, and you know, look uh, in 2000. 12 and uh, 10, 12, 11, 11, 10, 11, and 12, uh, when we started talking about raising rates again, we had some whoops. All right? And you got to be prepared for that. That's why I'm saying have some cash on hand. Um, you know, uh, but I still think we're in this long term secular bull market. Uh, remember, 1987 happened in a long term secular market. 
1990, you know, when we had the Gulf War, one of the Gulf Wars, I should say. Uh, we, we had a, a bear market within a secular bull. And then we had 1998 Russian ruble crisis. So uh, we might just have another one of those again. So, but I would say this, you know, bonds, you got beat up in. in the, you know, you're down probably 9 to 12% on your bond portfolio right now. All right. And, and so we've steered you away from bonds for a pretty long time for obvious reasons. But I think if, if you look at bonds versus, I mean, stocks versus bonds, you still, you still want to be in stocks. The only problem is, is that we're at the top of the S&P 500 uh, uptrend line and we got a ways to go. So the monthly momentum is still way too, too overbought. Hey, we're going to be right back with insiders. This is a Smart Investor Show. If you've got a question, it's 216-901-0945. 216-901-0945. We'll be right back. Doobie Brothers get us uh, going for the last section here. So anyway, uh, I want to mention this again. So if you're thinking about, have you been listening to me week out, week, week out, and I talked about these wealth plans all the time, if you'd like to try it, you can now try it. Now, you're not going to get the full Monty, okay, but you will be able to put a wealth plan together if you want. Uh, it allows you to play, you know, hey, do I have enough to retire or not? You know, what happens if this happens, you know, that type of thing. You can play playgrounds, what we call it. So if you'd like that, go to WHK's webpage, local podcast, down to Smart Investor Show, and hit one of the uh, – you can go right to my webpage from there, by the way. And on my webpage, it says contact me, email me, talk about wealth plan, and we'll send you a questionnaire, and uh, and uh, we'll work accordingly, okay? Uh, I th- by the way, that – that's a pretty good deal as far as I'm concerned. You know what I mean? Um, we'll just leave it at that. Okay. Um, so we always talk about insiders. And insiders are usually fairly smart institutions or guys that are on the board that know what's going on. Now, we've had a couple recently that, uh, like the Baker Brothers, Kodiak Sciences, they bought, of course, we had a couple major brokerage firms upgrade the stock too. Kodiak Sciences right before it got decimated. So, you know, there's no perfect way to uh, to invest, all right? But uh, when they buy, usually they're buying for one reason, and that is they think the stock's going up. Uh, and then we have Asana, okay? Asana was the largest insider buy in history, and the guy's down on every share he bought, which is he's – not, he's not a dumb guy. That's what kind of year we've had in, in the last year. So there's been a lot of stocks, new issues that uh, I think have great potential, as I said earlier, uh, that are getting whacked because of inflation. And when if they hold back inflation, which the Fed says they're going to do, when they do when they say that they're going to do it usually, uh, the the turn up will be pretty significant. I think. Anyway, we had quite a few interesting ideas here. Um, Innovia, which is a biotechnology company, uh, we had. Uh, the actual company buy their own stock back uh, worth about $27 million worth, which I think is very interesting. And then Nelson Pals, one of the great activists out there, 
has been buying uh, Janice Henderson, and he bought him some more this week. On the 30th, he bought another 16, $16.6 million, and his uh, partner in crime, Ed Garden, uh, also a director, bought uh, the same amount. So they remember, they bought on uh, last last week, they bought uh, about 20 or $30 million, and he's also bought another $7.2 million on the 31st, and same with Mr. Gardner. Garden, I'm sorry. So these guys bought quite a bit of stock last week, um, and then they bought just a little bit more. They bought about half a million dollars worth uh, a couple of days earlier. So, um, you know, Janice Henderson's in the in the uh, uh, management of money business, and uh, that's that's kind of interesting. So we'll see what happens. And the great Mario Gabelli, uh, great Gabelli, uh, bought the GDL fund, which just happens to be the uh, Gabelli. A development, uh, well, I can't remember, it's just GDL fund. It's a closed-end equity fund, and he paid uh, uh, $10 for it, uh, so he bought $9.4 million, and then he, he bought uh, another $3 million two days later. So um, he's he's a control person, obviously. He knows what he's talking about. Uh, I didn't see anything uh, on the company uh, other than, you know, uh, the stock was trading a little bit below its net asset value, which sometimes happens with closed-end funds. And then uh, Ford. You may recall that William Clay Ford, who's the executive chair and chairman, uh, uh, bought a ton of stock back at five bucks. Okay, a ton of stock. And this is a guy that owns like 4.2 million shares. Uh, he bought another 4.4 million dollars worth of stock on the 24th, uh, which is you know, not chump change, right? And then um, we also had uh, Prezina Investment Management, so another investment manager. Uh, we had Richard Prezina, uh, who's chairman. He he bought four point two million, and he owns seven million now, uh, well over seven million. Uh, and he paid five forty five for it, and uh, stock popped a little bit. So it, it's you know that's kind of interesting. And here's another one um, that I think is very interesting: Purple Innovations, which is Mattresses, basically. You may recall there was a big insider buyer <clears throat> called Coliseum Capital Management. <clears throat> well, on the 30th, they bought another $4.2 million worth, uh, which is not chump change either. Uh, also, the TMC Metals Company. Um, this is a small cap one, and uh, there was a director who, who bought uh, 1.6 million shares uh, about $4 million worth, you know, so that's kind of interesting. And here's another one, LCI Industries, which makes recreation vehicles. We had two guys, uh, James Garrow, who's a director, buy a million dollars worth. And then uh, Jason Lippert, who's the CEO and president, he bought a million dollars worth. You always like to see that. And then Occidental, you know, we had Warren Buffett buy quite a bit. And then we had one of the directors buy uh, some this week, uh, Vicki Hollum. She uh, she paid about 56 bucks, so she's pretty close to a new high. On it, and uh, that's fairly interesting too. A um, couple other names that I think are I see on my charts quite a bit: Refill, uh, RF Industries, which is electronic parts. We had several, uh, and this is Mark Holdsworth. He's a director. He, he bought uh, two or three, uh, three, I guess it is, uh, lots of three hundred sixty thousand dollars, so it makes it a million. And then also, uh, this is a real interesting one: Keysight Technologies, which is a big five G player. Down from 210, and we had uh, Kevin Stevens, who's a very bright guy, uh, buy uh, a chunk of it. Um, and uh, that's 
you know, what, what you like to see is when they've been selling, which they have been, for them to start to buy, okay, which is very important. So, all right, let's get back and wrap things up. Uh, you know, here's some things I think are important. You know, we've got oil. I think oil and commodities are going to settle back for a while because they're fairly overbought. I also think the market's overbought on a daily basis. On a weekly basis, it's still you – know, this is hard because, you know, it's hard to explain this, but you have these momentum figures. And on a two- to four-week basis, we're overbought. On a two, uh, four- to six-week basis, we're, we're underbought, <laughs> okay? So the weekly, we're still, you know, we're still bottoming. On the monthly, which is a year, uh, we're still really overbought. So we, uh, and you know, like I talk about, we have these trend lines that we, you know, from the bottom in 2009. So we, what we do is we draw the trend lines on the lows, that's an uptrend, and then we draw a trend line on the high. So we're we're still within that that trend, but we're at the upper end of it. Okay. Now we did that back in in 2014. And we had a couple whoops, and then we took off a little bit. Then we had a couple whoops, and we took off. That's how bull markets work, all right? Uh, remember, you know, they're always trying to build a wall of worry. And I think the last, you know, couple months we had a skyscraper full of worry. But there we go. But the weekly momentum is bottoming, which is interesting. So that, you know, what, what I talked about is we won't see the bottom until it's over, all right? Uh, but the daily is, is a little bit overbought. And so I think what you're going to have is a pullback just to make sure we're all paying attention. All right, the advanced decline line, which is uh, the number of advancers versus the number of decliners, has held up. Uh, the the stock only uh, has recaptured, you know, it broke down and then recaptured its lows, and uh, that's important, okay? So, uh, you know, we're seeing some stuff that, you know, would, would – give you that whisper of a bottom that Tom Lee talked about. So we'll, we'll leave it at that. You know, the, the only thing that I think you really need is, is the Russell, you know, it continues to show some early signs of, of stalling at resistance in the 2100 to 2143. Now the Russell 2000 is really the, the small cap index. Okay. It's got a lot of banks in it and they look, you know, the, the regional banks still look okay. Uh, but you know, it is a situation where the relative performance versus the S&P 500 is not proved. And then, you know, the other part is the bearish sentiment, bullish sentiment. Remember, was we're very, very bearish just two weeks ago. That's reversed. Now, it's not at extremes, but it's reversed. The put-to-call ratio, which is the number of puts, when you buy a put, you expect the stock to go down, okay? You're, you're, you're betting that the stock's going to get whacked. When you buy a call, you're expecting the call option to appreciate. So the stock's going up. So everybody was buying puts two weeks ago. Remember when I told you that we were at minus 31.5% on the bullish bearish ratio? It's a pretty high number, a pretty low number, I should say. That's usually a bullish, you know, it's a contrary indicator. Now we've got the opposite. People feeling good about themselves again, which means they got to scare them. Trust me, I, I, I think they'll scare them. Remember, uh, two weeks ago, we talked about how the volatility index usually preceded the move in the market and that it was down 5%. Then the market took off, all right? Now, the volatility index is at 20 again, all right? We have not seen below 14 in a year and a half. Now, 
in a bull market, you like to see it between nine and 12, nine and 14, nine and 15, you know, somewhere around there. And, uh, but this has been a long time. So remember we were above 20, above 20 since September of last year. That's a long time. That's a very high volatility. So I think what's going to happen is the volatility is going to pick up. The put the call ratio is going to pick up. And there we go. So what do we do now? Now's a good time to be looking for dividends. All right. We talked about the real estate investment trust and utilities looking good. That's our prime income list, folks. All right. The dividend growth portfolio. What a better time to buy dividends. Remember, when yields are up, when stocks are down, yields are up. All right. You want to buy high quality companies when their stock is down. I got a whole list of stocks uh, that I looked at Friday uh, that, you know, I thought were good buys. Uh, and, you know, that goes the way it works. Um, so I, I think, you know, you want to be looking at those very, very carefully. I would also start to look at our best ideas because some of these, they get beat up. You want to pay attention, okay? Because the Fed will stop raising interest rates eventually. Just leave it at that. In the meantime, uh, remember, the dividend growth portfolio, the prime income list, if you want to talk about your portfolio, if you'd like to be uh, try a wealth plan. This is for prospective clients now, okay? If you'd like to be a, see what the wealth plan can do for you, uh, please let me know. Go to WHK web, uh, 1420's webpage, local podcast, down to Tim Hayes, Smart Investor Show. That takes you directly to my webpage. Just hit the contact me and email me. And let's have a cup of coffee. Let's talk about things, all right? It's a great time to rebalance. In the meantime, have a great weekend. Buy low, sell high. Thanks for listening to the Smart Investor Hour. To reach Tim during the week, call him toll-free, 888-223-7742. That's 888-223-7742. Or visit his website, rbcwmfa.com slash Tim Hayes. That's all one word in the address bar, rbcwfma.com slash Tim Hayes. Please join us again next Saturday for the Smart Investor Hour to hear more smart investing from Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.